Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Lord God, as we come to your word um, in the season of Epiphany, we pray that you would open our eyes uh, to see what you have for us and our ears to hear what you have to speak to us today. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I'm Chris Myers. I'm one of the priests here. Um, glad you're with us this morning. Uh, we are in a season that we call Epiphany. That's why we still got white and got baptisms today, so it's double white. It's lots of white. Um, but the white is for the light of God and the light of Christ, because Epiphany is about the revelation of who Jesus is to the nation's um, and the mission that the church has to go and reflect that light to the world. Um, and I want to look at this passage from 1 Corinthians today because I think what it deals with is the question of, like, once we've received the, the light, then, then what do we what do? We do? Um, and what is tied up with um, maturity in Christ? What is tied up with knowledge in Christ? What is tied up with being spiritual um, once we have the light of Christ. And that's what Paul is addressing because he's addressing a church that is sort of obsessed with those three things, with knowledge, with wisdom, and with being spiritual. And Paul uh, is not going to pull any punches, and he's basically saying, you think you're spiritual, but you're not. You think you're mature, but you're not. You think that you have knowledge, but you really don't because you've tried to move beyond the most basic thing. You've tried to move beyond the cross, which is how he opens this chapter and tells the Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what does it mean that we have the cross held before us to move deeper into the knowledge of God, maturity in Christ, and to have spirituality? So as a way to start talking about that, I want to talk about YouTube. Because I really like YouTube a lot. I spend a lot of time on YouTube and... Recently, I've been getting lots of videos, and this is probably just me, so I'm not saying anything about you, but there's videos where people are holding these stacks of books. Have anybody seen these? Where people are like, and they've got the stack of books, and they don't show you the spines of the books, it's just the pages of the books, and it says six books you must read to 
fill in the blank, be thin, be successful, make lots of money. And I'd like to say I don't click on these videos, but I do, which is why YouTube says, here's another video with a person to stack a book. Because <laughs> I could just say, no, I'm not interested. You know that, that you can do that on YouTube? The little three dots, you can click it and say, not interested. I haven't done that yet with these videos. But it's like, oh, here's knowledge. Somebody's gonna just wrap it up for me in a bow and I'm gonna get a new insight, a new idea. And I love that, so I keep clicking and trying to learn. So let's take the example of um, maybe personal finance. Here's the thing, all those books say the same thing. All the six books that they're quoting say basically the same thing. They wanna repackage it, they wanna make it look different, they wanna say that it's new, that they've thought of some great insight, but really it comes down to, and you probably could list it out loud with me, spend less than you make, be careful about debt, save 10% at least, invest 10%, and you know, there you go. It's so easy. <laughs> There's personal finance for you. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And that's part of what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. It's like, it's easy to say these things, but it's really hard to do these things, to go into the depths of God. So for me, I'm looking for a new insight, I'm looking for a new technique or a hack, and more often than not, it's just the same old information with some little spin on it. And I would be much better off trying to follow the advice I already know <laughs> than to try to find some new insight or new spin on, oh yeah, I have to have a budget. You know, you gotta have one. So that's what Paul is trying to say in a, in a way to the church at Corinth. They're looking for a new insight, a new technique, a new experience of spirituality. And Paul is saying, hey, real wisdom and real knowledge and real spirituality is about more about depth than it is about novelty. It's about going deeper with what you already know and what you've already been entrusted with than it is about getting some new thing. Really what he's saying is this is how you live with the epiphany of God, is that you go deeper with it rather than trying to find new, fresh things. So, Whatever wisdom is and whatever knowledge is and whatever spirituality is, it is the wisdom and knowledge and spirituality of what he's already said up to this point, which is, I've decided to know nothing among you except Christ and, his, and him crucified. That's the wisdom of God that looks like foolishness to the world. And that's what he's talking about here is, hey, all the people that you think have a lot of insight, they didn't know enough not to crucify God. So why would you listen to them? You can't listen to them because they don't know what they're talking about, but the Spirit of God does. And that's what this whole passage is about, is the Spirit of God. So, Christian maturity never moves beyond the cross. It goes deeper into it. And when Paul uses the word mystery, that's part of what he means, and that's one of our values here at St. Bart's is mystery. It's in our bulletin, the back pages. And what we mean by that word is not like a mystery novel, something to be solved, that once you solve it, it's unpacked and you know, oh, so-and-so's the killer, I'm done. It's a reality that the more time you spend with it, the deeper it becomes. The more time that you abide in it, the deeper it makes you. That's the mystery of the cross, and that's the mystery of God. And what Paul says to them is, 
We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Here's this entrusted set of understanding and wisdom and proclamation. The preaching of the New Testament, the gospel, it's been given to you, freely given, graciously given, for us to accept and embrace And the Spirit is the one who takes us deeper into those things. That's what spirituality means for Paul. That the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the things of God available to us because the Spirit of God is the one who searches the depths of God. That's what he's getting at when he talks about the Spirit of the man searches the depths of the man. The person, you have interior knowledge of yourself that no one else has access to. Well, who has interior knowledge of God but God himself, his spirit? And yet he doesn't keep, God does not keep himself to himself. He gives himself away. He gives us the spirit. That's what's so important about that phrase, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. He's not withholding anything from us. He's pouring it out. He's making it available. His light is shining for the world to see And the Spirit is the one who has to come and make those things real to us, to deepen those things for us. So, a lot about what this passage is, is about spirituality. And spirituality, in a New Testament sense, is it always means the Holy Spirit. It means the Spirit is the source of our spiritual life, the one who makes known the depths of God, and the Spirit who matures us. One critic um, puts it, or one commentator puts it this way, Anthony Thistleton in his commentary. He says, most notably and centrally, to be spiritual is not to draw upon an innate higher capacity of the human soul. It is to be moved, activated, and transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. So spirituality is not like our inward journey into ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to move us, to activate us, and to transform us into the image of God. And the other thing that Paul is saying is that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. If you're paying attention, this is a very Trinitarian passage. The mind of Christ, the Spirit of God, the God who gives his Spirit, all three persons of the Trinity are at work to make known to us the things that are freely given us by God. So the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ, and he unfolds to us the grace that multiplies with grace the things that are freely given to us by God. He wants to give us wisdom, but that wisdom doesn't take us beyond the cross. It takes us deeper into the cross. It doesn't move us beyond grace. It takes us deeper into grace. We can never move beyond, we can never find a spiritual plane beyond the audacious and abundant grace of God that has freely been given to us. That is the ocean in which we swim and swim deeper into, not the thing that we comprehend from the shore and just look at. We're supposed to dive into it. And he's saying, come on. So the wisdom of God through the spirit of God moves us into depth and it moves us beyond the need to chase the new thing, the next thing, to click the next video. (laughs) Speaking to myself. We are rather called to abide in the deep things. 
which is a relief because what it does is it actually eliminates spirituality as a performance and it eliminates spirituality as this self-directed, open-ended exercise in self-determination. Let me say that again. (laughs) Spirituality is not a self-directed, open-ended exercise in self-determination. It is to be conformed by the Spirit into the image of Christ. That's the point of being spiritual as a Christian, is to have the Spirit of God transform us into the image of God. And the the Corinthians are very 21st century in this way, (laughs) because they're into spirituality as its own end, as a and is an experience unto itself rather than the spirit of God abiding in them, making them mature. And you can go home and read this because Paul gets a little spicy. Um, In 1 Corinthians 3, I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I can't address you as mature because you have not understood this fundamental thing, which is... The Holy Spirit is freely given to us to take us deeper into the things of God. So the Spirit's ongoing work in our life is the work of illumination. That's a, it's a light word. <laughs> Epiphany, light, white. I'm looking at some blinding lights right now. Um, illumination, that's what the Spirit does. He comes into our lives and he illuminates. He shines the light in the darkness. He puts the light on things. He opens up space within us, and that is the work of the Spirit. And the Corinthians had bought into a vision of self-determined and self-directed spirituality rather than the spirituality of the Spirit. But that's what Paul means when he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean they're spiritually discerned? The things of the Spirit are discerned by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means the things that the Spirit has given us help us discern what the Spirit says. And first and foremost, that's the Word of God, which is breathed out by God, a product of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that has been entrusted to us as the people of God. This is a way that Things are spiritually discerned by the word of God. By the context of community, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 3? Is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just us as individuals, but us as the body of Christ. So the spirit abides within the body. That's another place where this discernment takes place. And then we're going to see in the sacramental life as well. Because these are places where the Holy Spirit has promised to be with us and to make himself known to us. The sacraments, baptism, the table, are means of illumination. The word is a means of illumination. The spirit at work in the community of Christ is a means of illumination. The sacraments are a means of illumination. So what I'm not saying is that there's not, God, it's not that God doesn't have new things for us and doesn't want to take us into new places. It's just that whatever those new things are, they are an extension of what he's already done. And they are tethered to and in continuity with who he is. And to be the church is to be the community of the word (laughs) and the sacraments. And that's foundational. Everything else flows from that. Those, Those points of illumination. 
And that's what he's saying here is that we have understood the mind of the Lord. So who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? By the Spirit. The mind of Christ is the Spirit of God at work in the people of God. So where does that leave us? Well, I want to connect it to baptism because that's about what we're going to see. We're going to see five people baptized. And we're not just going to watch something. We're going to do something. (laughs) All the rest of us. We're going to be invited into something. And as we're invited into that, I think it's worth thinking about that I have the temptation of the Corinthians and I know a lot of us have the temptation of the Corinthians, which is to think of maturity and knowledge and spirituality as something where we move beyond the basics. But there is no moving beyond the basics. You don't move beyond the cross. You're always taken back to the cross, deeper into the cross. And there's nothing more basic than baptism. There's nothing more basic than you've been buried with Christ and erased a new life with him. That's the promise of the gospel that we see enacted and entrusted and promised in baptism. There's nothing beyond that. We can be taken deeper into it, but that's what God has for us. That's what he's freely given us. What has he freely given us? Himself. That's his death, his burial, his resurrection is God entrusting his very self in the form of his son so that he might raise us up so that he might give us his life. So we're not just going to watch people be baptized. We're going to remind ourselves that we are the baptized. We are always beginners. There is such a thing as maturity, and there is such a thing as knowledge, and there is such a thing as spirituality, but that's all given to us by the Spirit who takes us again and again and again to the person and the work of Jesus on the cross. So when we stand up in a minute, we're all going to say the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is the baptismal creed. Going back to the early church, when people were baptized, they would stand in the waters and they would recite this rule of faith that encapsulated what it meant to be immersed into the life of God and immersed into the life of the church. And every time we say the Apostles' Creed, we are reminding ourselves that we are the baptized. There's nothing more basic to the creedal faith than the Apostles' Creed. It's just the fundamentals. But every one of those statements we could spend a lifetime going deep into. The Trinitarian life of God, the Father, the creator of all that is, the Son who comes, takes on the flesh of the virgin, is not ashamed to live among us, who dies on the cross, who descends to the dead, who sends in resurrection into the life of God. All of those things are the basics, but there's nothing basic about them. (laughs) We go deep, deep, deep into them. So that's my encouragement to you. That's the application of my sermon today, is say the Apostles' Creed and mean it. (laughs) And remember that that means that you are counting yourself among the baptized. It's a baptismal creed, it's a baptismal vow, and you're saying, I'm aligning myself with these basics and I'm tethering myself to the reality of the people of God by saying this in community. So that's what we're gonna do. So let me pray, and let's get on with it. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that by your spirit, 
these words can become light to us and become life to us. And I pray um, that we would be people who are people of depth and maturity and knowledge who go deeper and deeper into the things that you have freely given us. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the picture of your grace that we are about to witness as we see uh, people immersed into the life of the church, immersed into your death and raised up to new life in you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us your spirit and so given us your mind. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.